it's not how clever you are, it's not how much you know, it's like what you're really willing to do in terms of being vulnerable and taking a first step. That was a snippet from this interview with Susie Moore. Susie is a writer, a speaker, and the leader of the Side Hustle Academy. Her best-selling book, What If It Does Work Out?, is all about how to start your own side hustle. And that is what we're talking about here today. We cover so much here. It's such a great listen. Some of the specifics, how most people live in Comfortville, loved that. What a charged life really feels like. The importance of letting our desires lead the way. The danger we can get into when we fall into the trap of analysis paralysis and how we can push our fear to the side and keep on hustling. Stay tuned. Welcome to Here to Thrive, Susie. I'm really excited to have you here. As I just said to you, I've been following you for a number of years now, so it's exciting to get to actually speak. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you, I say, are the queen of side hustle. That's how I perceive you. But what I, what I love about what you do is that you really don't see our lives and our careers as separate things. Mm-hmm. As you said in your book, you don't have a career, you have a life. And that quote, I was like, oh, this is why I love her. And I'm a life coach and I do executive coaching, but the reason I don't see those as separate things is with my executives, we always still talk about life. You can't separate your life and your work. We are people and those are the many roles we play. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey? How did you get to where you are today? Because I know you used to be corporate and have an incredibly lucrative job. What made you decide you wanted to move towards a side hustle? Well, gosh. Um, first of all, I love that you mentioned the quote about not having a career, having a life, because you know, like you said, it's not as if you walk through your front door when you know when you get home every day and you're like, okay, well now I'm going to be in my family mode, or now I'm going to be in my you know relationship mode. Uh, our lives are just completely you know blurred and messy. And when you love like what it is that you're doing professionally, it just seeps into every area of your life. And one reason that I love specifically speaking about side hustles so much is because. When I've seen many different, hundreds of people now start different side hustles, I see them transform all areas of their life because they're much happier with what they're contributing in their own lives. So just so that there's somebody who's an accountant or a lawyer, and then in their side hustle, they work maybe as a matchmaker or as a jewelry designer. I see that kind of creativity, the extra money, the sense of ownership really impact their marriage, their friendship, how they are as a sister, how they are as a mother. It's so freaking cool. And the same thing happened to me. So uh, in speaking specifically about my journey, I had, I, I mean, I, I have a completely corporate background working in recruitment and then in ad tech for over 10 years and I was working as a sales director in my last corporate in in my last job uh, for a fortune 500 company and look the job was was fine I could have I certainly could have stayed it would have been fine Uh, as you mentioned it paid really well Uh, sales careers tend to do that which is also why people do stick around for many years Uh, but around the time I turned 30 and I'm, I'm nearly 34 now so around the time I turned 30 I was just kind of contemplative about my life and where I was at and I just knew I'd continue to get older and unless I made a change I would stay where I was and 
thinking about, you know, the future being 35, being 40, like looking ahead as a coach specifically, because we love looking ahead. I just knew that the work that I was doing, it was, it was, like I said, it was fine, but it certainly wasn't my life's work. It wasn't, you know, the, the work that I knew in my heart I should be doing and could be doing. And I knew that I couldn't be satisfied in the long term if I carried on. So I started my side hustle as a coach and I started writing to, to attract new clients to me. And that decision and the beauty is, you know, when you make a decision, your life changes in a, in a second, in an instant. Uh, my whole life changed. My relationship improved. My body looked better. People were telling me, even giving me confidence about how I, how I just looked and, and seemed happier and lighter. I was a better friend. I was just, my whole life transformed with just the decision to stop my side hustle. And I left my full-time job. It's actually three years ago this month. That's amazing. I, I actually see a lot of parallels in your story and mine because I was... 29 working in corporate consulting very successful going wow if I just keep doing this where do I go from here like this could be my life and that would be fine which is exactly the word you used and my life would have been fine you know I had everything I I needed yeah and I just wish well no I wish I didn't have quite the same insights I got pregnant when I was 29 ended up moving to the states and Ah. life kind of just nudged me in the right direction. I don't think I was quite as good at picking up on my instincts at that point. The thing I think too specifically about it is like fine is okay, but it's actually not enough. I mean, we can live a fine life. We can live a, you know, a life. I mean, we can be, I guess, satisfied enough to a point. And many people live that way, right? They live kind of comfortable lives, but we don't have to. We can choose to really level up and to create a life that we're really obsessed with. We are allowed to do that. We are supposed to do that. And we don't just have to sit in this mediocrity like place of fine. And now I know that more than ever. I see it happening all the time. I now see people, I'm friends with people, I'm in circles where people are just really making a massive impact, loving their life, doing what's meaningful to them. And I just know that that's possible. And it's possible for far more people if we just stop being so afraid. Oh, so good. You don't have to compromise and live a life that's just fine. No, you don't. Fine, fine sucks, Kate. I mean, look, look, fine. <laughs> I mean, Brendan Richard says, you know, there are three types of living, a caged life, a comfortable life, a charged life. And he says like 5% or less of people live a charged life. And that is so depressing, right? It is so depressing to think that so few of us are really living the lives that we imagined that we could when we were children in the kind of, you know, secret visions that sometimes we still have about the type of lives that we want. They're absolutely possible. We just don't pursue it. Oh, I have never heard that. How good are those three points? Can we just say those again? A caged life, a comfortable life, and a charged life. Yes, that's right. And most people are stuck in that comfortable phase. And comfortable can mean you're rich. It can mean that you're happy. It can mean, you know, that you kind of, you're doing enough. Friends, your peers might respect you. But only you know if your life is charged. And I'm telling you, I probably know, I mean, many more people now because I'm in different kind of circles now and I meet other entrepreneurs who are really kind of, you know, living their lives by design. But before really kind of exploring my own path, I would say 100% of the people I knew were in comfort zone, like Comfortville, and they, uh, they're still there and they're going to say that. Yeah, Comfortville. I love that. I'm going to remember this conversation now just because of Comfortville. <laughs> and Comfortville sucks. There's an old um, expression actually that, uh, you know, on the path to success, there are many comfortable parking spaces. Oh, right? 
So it's actually very, very easy to stay where you are, but you don't have to. And I have to say, I do believe. And look, you know, now it's the end of the year. We're starting a new year. I believe that a little bit of you die slowly year after year when you just don't take strides in the direction where you really want to go. I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. All right. So what if someone is listening to this and they kind of maybe like the idea of a side hustle, but they have no idea what kind of gets them inspired? What would charge them up? What do you say to people who say, I don't have a passion? Well, initially I would say you do, you do know, and you do have probably many fashions, right? Most of us tend to have, you know, more than one. You've just lost connection with who you are to some extent. Just say that you're highly creative and you've been working in a really regulated numbers based career for a long time. You've probably just lost a little bit, you know, touch a little bit with who you really are, but who you really are never disappears. It never goes anywhere. It's there. You you are waiting for you (laughs) to come and like reconnect with yourself. So uh, you know, I mean, there are some great you know, questions I always like to ask people, which uh, include things like, what did you love to do when you were a child? What problems do you love to help solve? What do people come to you for? What conversation topics never get boring? What books do you like to read? Often if you just do like even just a few minutes, I need five minutes of just these kind of self like exploratory questions. You really get to the, the depths very quickly of what it is that just excites you. And it can be, you know, fitness, it can be fashion, it can be politics, it can be cooking, it can really be anything. You just have to give yourself permission to discover it, to reconnect with it, and then take some strides towards, towards doing something with it. So we know we just have to give ourselves permission. Yes, we always know. When someone's like, I have no clue, I'm like, come on, you know. (laughs) Don't give me that. You know, it's much easier to say, I don't know, right? Or it's kind of like saying, I don't have time. I mean, that's a very kind of safe space to stick when we secretly know that those two things are never true. That's exactly where I wanted to take the next question. What about the people who only see barriers? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. It would never work. What do you say to those people if you come across them? Well, I do come across them a lot and it's all fear, 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 fear. Behind every excuse is either just like honestly not wanting to do something. And if you don't want to do something, you shouldn't do it, right? Because your desire really does lead the way. So if you don't want to do something, if you don't want to hustle, if you're really, you know, really thrilled with where you are, wonderful. Like I salute you, right? You're definitely just one of the exceptions. Um, when it comes to people who say, I don't have time or, you know, like a litany of other excuses, but they secretly do want to move forward towards something. It's just because, you know, you're probably feeling afraid. You're probably worried about what other people think. You're not quite certain where to begin. And the good news is everyone feels that way. It's completely normal. And it's really up to you how you want to use your time. And you don't have to necessarily care so much about what others think. It's really up to you. And the power of making a decision and then committing to your decision is completely in your control. When we're talking about that fear, I immediately I'm thinking of that story, Elizabeth Gilbert, I think she puts it as fear is always in the back seat, but I don't let fear drive the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how is it that we get out from under our own fear? How do we put it in the back seat and say, you're not in charge here. I can hear you, but I'm still moving forward. I think the most important thing to know, and not everyone likes hearing this, but really it's only action that kills fear. 
right? Mm. It's only taking action that cures fear. Nothing else works. You can't think your way out of it necessarily or feel your way out of it. It's when we do something that makes us afraid that that allows the fear to dissolve. I mean, it's almost like standing on a, like a diving board, like, and you have to jump into the pool, right? There's nothing that you can do apart from like dive in that is going to eradicate your fear than just constantly taking action. And I think it's important to understand too, Kate, that you will always be afraid in your life, right? As soon as you jump into, you know, one pool, there'll be a bigger diving board and then a big one and then a bigger one. And fear is a really good sign. In fact, if I'm not afraid of something that I'm doing in my business or in my life, I probably know it's because I'm either not doing enough or not pushing myself enough. So if I feel like comfy and easy and happy, then I'm like probably very, very, I'm heading into comfort feel myself. So fear is a really, really good sign. It just means that you're moving forward and your fears get bigger when you get bigger. And that's absolutely okay too. So you would say that fear is the indication that we're living that charged life. Like it goes part and parcel with it. Yes. I mean, if you listen to any crazy successful like people, they're always saying, oh yeah, I was terrified when I did that. Or I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of like Richard Branson's book right now. It's like, screw it, just do it. Right. He says he doesn't know how to do anything. He didn't know how to start an airline. He didn't know how to do all the things that he's done, but he just kept taking action. And then the results appear, the path appears. And you just learn to, like, like Elizabeth Gilbert says, continue to manage your fear and just don't let it drive you. It, it will always accompany you, but it's not making your decisions. Another thing you say in your book, which is called, What If It Does Work Out? You say, I quote, it's called a hustle for a reason. Yes. (laughs) Can we talk through this? Are you implying that the side gig lifestyle isn't a walk in the park? Well, every, I guess the reason I I, I state that is because a lot of people, because they're already afraid when they begin, right? They put something out or they want to, you know, attract their first client or get, you know, get their first paying customer and say they have some type of setback quickly, right? Yeah. And that happens. There are constant setbacks in business. I probably had three setbacks today, right? It's only lunchtime. Uh, that doesn't mean you stop. That just means, hey, you know what? You're working. You're doing something. Any type of failure or setback or obstacle just means that you're doing something. So when I say hustle, I basically just mean persevere, like keep going. I see a lot of people give up very, very quickly, give up when they hit some type of hardship, when they get a disappointment, and they're not the people who succeed. When I mean, even this this term hustle, a lot of success too can happen easily. You get a lot of breaks unexpectedly that come to you. In fact, every, every good thing in my business pretty much that's helped me level up has has really come to me, right? That's the magic of actually taking action and doing things. You open up doors for lots of opportunities you don't even see. But like the hustler, speaking you know specifically about why it's called the hustle, it's just somebody who doesn't give up, who's not just so quick to like, you know, put their hands in the air and say, you know, I tried, it didn't work for me. It's the person who's like, okay, well, that, that's what happened today. Okay, tomorrow I start again, or tomorrow I have a new idea, or yeah, the next step is this. So it's basically just like keeping at it. There is so much to be said for just continuing to show up. I mean, there's this lovely expression that I heard that success and failure are actually the same road. Success success is just further along that road. So, yeah, so most people are just kind of a few steps in, they give up. Whereas if they just kept going, the success is there. So that's what I mean by it's called the hustle for a reason. So when we're talking that kind of mindset, that mindset of persistence and really kind of just determination. Mm -hmm. How do we get that? Are we born with it? Can we develop it? Where do you feel it comes from? 
Uh, I think that no one's really born with it. Like we're not born with a fixed amount of determination or resilience or whatever it may be. It's just something that you that you practice and it keeps getting easier, like with anything else. The one thing that I really do believe, and this is why I love, you know, Simon Sinek and Tony Robbins and so many others, they always speak about your why, like why you're doing something. And if you have a good why, you can endure anyhow, right? And you can endure like truly anything. If you're like, the reason I've started this business, in fact, one of my side hustlers speaks specifically to parents about autism. Another speaks about art, right? And how you can, through art, you can learn to heal. Another speaks specifically about, you know, I'm coming through a divorce and having the confidence to begin again because she's been through that. So their why, like their their mission is so important that they're not going to, you know, say, okay, well, today I'll be determined because of this or I won't be determined because of that. It's like, no, this is my why. And whatever happens, happens, but my why is going to keep me going. So when you connect your why and you're really clear on your reason for doing what you're doing, then anything else that happens is kind of, it's what happens day to day, but your focus, your why, like your, your mission is a thing that will, will keep you going and will make it easier for you no matter what. I'm a big believer in the idea of the power of why I did a podcast on that actually, because I agree. I feel like when you're driven from the inside, then -hmm. you can come back to that. When you do get those hits, when you do come across barriers, you can come back to your own why and re-energize. When we're really connected to our big why, then everything just becomes easier because it's non-negotiable for us. I want to come back to this idea of we restrain ourselves because another quote in your book said many dreams are buried because we are too scared to voice them to ourselves and that one got me because I haven't done it yet but over the next year or so I fully intend to write a book Mm -hmm. but the first time I admitted that to myself that I wanted to be an author I didn't know any authors I thought that was absolutely an outrageous goal and I can remember I finally got the courage to say it out loud to my husband and I literally just burst into tears as I tried to get the words out because I just knew that by telling him, I couldn't pretend that it's not what I wanted. You know, I had to own, I actually really want to write a book. And by saying it out loud, then I, I have to own that as a dream and as a goal. Do you mm-hmm. see that a lot of people keep their goals or their dreams a secret so that they can really avoid having to face that, you know, they keep it a secret even from themselves. Oh, yes. And like, Kate, even just what you said about, you know, I want to write a book. Anyone listening to this, right, even you know, me listening to you, I mean, you writing a book seems like a perfectly natural thing, <laughs> like a perfectly unshockable, like this is just a completely natural thing for you to be doing, right? But to you, it, it felt so, you know, big and heavy because now there's a kind of the expectation you have to do it, you have to fulfill it. Maybe, you know, you it, it's so important to you, you want to make sure it's successful, right? But to probably everyone else in your life, they're like, yeah. But I would say, the other thing I would say is this was probably three years ago. You know, I was just starting my coaching business. I didn't have a podcast then. Like I have been taking a lot of little steps along the way. And it's amazing when you look back and you're like, wow, that's been three years, but look how far I've come in three years. And you're absolutely right. Now it doesn't even sound outrageous for me to say to myself, I'm going to write a book, which is why I'm talking about it on my podcast, because I actually believe it now. Whereas three years ago, this seemed like an audacious goal, but it's amazing what you do one step at a time. And then it becomes reality. 
Yes, it's so, it, I mean, this is like the, the, the sad thing truly that I see where people kind of hide their dreams for themselves. They want to bury them. They think they might go away. They think it might be easier if they just never really go there. But that is not you know, how it works. You can't eradicate your desires. You can't eradicate your dreams. You can't wish them away or like throw yourself so deeply into something else that they'll stop you know, being important to you. Before I you know, started you know, coaching and I was working in sales and doing, you know, just doing my thing in business, I'd always ask people, what's your passion? Like, I'd always think, I always want to ask everyone what their passion is. And people would just say such different things. They'd say, my passion is singing. My passion is hockey. My passion is like working with um, sick animals, right? And these are people who had corporate jobs. And I would already get a massive glimpse into who they were just by asking that question. And often they'd even say, gosh, that question sparked something. Or it kind of reminded me of what my passion is, right? And it's so interesting that we think it's kind of big and scary right whereas the world doesn't right yeah. the world does but like the world is curious about it like whenever you feel a calling to do something it's because people need it somebody needs it so hiding you know our, our desires and dreams from ourselves like it may seem like it's safe but it's I mean let, let, how about we lose the pressure right how about we stop thinking we need to you know write our first article and it has to be on the cover of the New York Times or hey we start a side hustle and we have to be on the cover of Forbes or you know we we you know launch some type of app and we have to you know get 10 million in our seed round it's like how about we just lose the pressure, remind ourselves like what our passion is and allow ourselves to start slowly. Like, what, what, it doesn't have to be so big and frightening and gosh, you know, the expectations are so high. They don't, those, expect, those expectations just don't exist. We impose them. And if we could just lose the pressure, have a bit of a sense of humor and be curious and allow ourselves to have fun with it, so much good would come from that. Yeah, I hear you. I totally hear you. I want to talk a little bit more about how you've done what you've done. I spoke to one of my clients actually last week and she is contemplating starting a side hustle. She currently works in corporate and I asked her what kind of questions she would have from someone like you. Mm -hmm. First of all, how did you go about making the transition from your full-time corporate job to starting a side hustle to now making your side hustle your full-time job. How did that go for you? I think every story is a little bit different and there's no exact path because, you know, everyone's you know, like choices are different and their expectations and the revenue they want to make and so forth. There are lots of variables here, but I decided that I was, if I was going to become a coach, I had to announce it and do it pretty much overnight. <laughs> you're so brilliant I love it you're like I'm going for this full tilt well, I'm, yeah and I just thought also like Kate you know this if you have a calling to be a coach or whatever it is your side hustle is you know that you're a coach no one was surprised when I said that that's what I was doing no one because I was already an advisor to people people would come to me when they wanted to negotiate their salary or if they wanted interview advice or dating advice so I already know that I was coaching for free for years before I actually you know, created a business around coaching and creating packages around it. But I just decided to announce it by email and social media to my friends. I opened up myself to paying clients. I started with a great competitive rate and I just, I knew that I had to pull the trigger on it. Like, because if I over, if I thought about it, I'd get paralysis analysis, really, you know, start doing crazy things in my head. So I'm like, I'm just going to put it out there and see what happens. It's funny because I do the same thing. And I wonder if it's one of the keys to success is action before you, like you said, that analysis paralysis, you can get really stuck in the thinking about and doing nothing. And it makes me sad because even when I think about my side hustle students who take my program, 
I see often probably the most talented and competent people are the ones who don't really begin. Mm. Right. It's often just the people who just who like will have a bit of courage right in the moment, 10 seconds, like to do something, right? Pull the trigger on my business and, and and they get results. Right. It's I mean, it's not how clever you are. It's not how much, you know, it's like what you're really willing to do in terms of being vulnerable and taking a first step. So I decided overnight just to make it like make it real by announcing it, like just by announcing it, I thought that that made it official. And then when I was side hustling, I was seeing coaching clients, you know, in the evenings and weekends, and writing different articles so so people could find me. And after around eighteen months, I was making around four thousand um, dollars side hustle money a month. And I knew that with like just a few hours, if I could do that, then not even a time, but with a full-time focus, that it could be way more. And I thought too, look, if I've already had a successful career with something that I just think is fine, <laughs> you know, like that I like maybe a five out of 10 and I'm a 10 out of 10 about this, I know it can be, I know it could be huge, right? How about you also remember that any career success that you've had is completely transferable. It already shows you how competent you are. A side hustle, you use a lot of the same skills, even if it's a completely different field and you're more prepared and more, more ready than you think. So I just felt it, it wasn't even particularly planned. I just thought after I had you know, a few months of clients under my belt, some experience, I just decided to take the risk because the risk in my mind was to really stay where I was and not give you know, my, my business the full swing of the bat. And then the way that I rationed it in my mind was I thought, if I, uh, if I don't like working for myself or if I fail, the worst thing that can happen is I'll end up exactly where I am, just in a different company. Like, I, I, was, I was already living my worst case scenario. <laughs> it's funny because I often say that to people. I'm like, what have you got when we're talking about whether or not they should change career or what, what it might be? I was like, what have you got to lose? You can still go back to your career if, if you find it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. There is that safety net built in. You're not giving mm-hmm. up all of that skill and you could go back to a corporate job. Exactly. You're not giving up anything. You're, you're maybe just kind of taking a creative break. And by the way, if you say, if you, if you want to go back to work and Hey, if you do, that's totally cool. And you'll know, you'll have no regret, no questions, no heaviness about it. You'll be like, you know what? I really gave it everything. I just prefer structure. I want to have a boss. I miss, you know, having a colleagues and a team and a marketing department and all, you know, all the perks that come with a job. That, number one, that's awesome. But also, you you kind of have a story to tell, and you're already far more interesting having gone out on your own and and uh, and, and run a business for a little while. Oh, that's so interesting. So the mm-hmm. next question my client had for you was, how on earth did you find the discipline? How did you find the discipline to work your full time job and then come home and use your evenings to coach people? That sounds like a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> well, if someone it feels like a hell of a lot of work they're probably not doing the right thing because I mean look if I was importing goods from China and selling them at a profit in the US which is something I completely don't care about doing I probably would be exhausted and resentful and I wouldn't have kept it up but for me coaching has always just felt like it's not work and it's always felt like such a joy. And every time I coach someone still, or I teach one of my uh, my modules or you know whatever it is, do one of my webinars, I'm so happy. <laughs> hey, it's still work, of course. I have to schedule it, and you know I'm on holiday at the beach. But it's so interesting for me and so uh, pleasurable for me that my that's kind of just where the why comes in. Right. I was going to say the same is yeah. the same is true for me. Like, how did I find the discipline to get my business off the ground? And it is passion is my fuel. 
passion yeah. is like this store of energy that I have that I'm excited to get to my computer and be working on everything that I'm doing. Exactly. And so if people think it's like a big stress and sweat and everything, well, I don't feel that way. I mean, actually I had, um, I had a drink with an editor of mine last week and she said something like, Oh, how much that I'm always doing something like, Oh, you're so busy. You're always, you know, we see your, your articles or you're this, you're that. And you do so much. And it was weird hearing that because I said to her, I feel like I'm always busy, but never working. Always busy, but never working. I yeah. It. I mean, look, I mean, so right now, Kate, look, we're having a great chat. Does this feel like work to you? No, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And because, you know, my books have been released, I'm doing lots of these. And I'm like, God, is this work for me? Hell no. I'm loving it. So that's when your why comes in. That's when, you know, really knowing what the right thing for you is, allowing yourself to pursue the thing that you really want to pursue. Uh, your energy is unlimited. That I promise you. Yeah, I would agree. I have the same experience. So getting a little bit personal here, I know that you are married. How do you find the time to balance all of the energy <laughs> of, that you need to put into your business and then uh-huh. also having enough time for your family? Well, so my husband now works with me full time. Well, that's so, how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I wanted him to do it for a long time. He took some convincing, uh, but a few months ago he left his job to work with me. And I tell you, like, I'm better because I work for myself. I mean, when I was working at my job, you know, like it was, like I said, fine. I was a little bit unhappy though. I'd, you know, I'd come home, I'd want to open a bottle of wine, I'd probably scowl in front of the TV for a couple of hours, complain about my boss a little bit, do it again the next night, you know. But now we're kind of like always sharing ideas. We're talking about different things we want to do. Actually, in February, we just booked um, a villa in Bali for the month because we have the freedom to go there. So, I mean, I just, I, I feel as if, again, like when you, your, your why, your passion, your hustle, when they're kind of all like r- really active, then you become better. You become more interesting. You become more attractive. You become uh, just happier and lighter. You're the best version of yourself. And funnily enough, in my last uh, year, as a salesperson I made the most money I ever made and I know it was because of the extra uh, energy I had because of my side hustle it's so interesting I I just feel like I can cooperate with my own personal experience every single thing that you say because my, I'm also living proof of everything that Susie says because my marriage is better because I am a happier person and yes. I have I have a twinkle in my eye and a confidence and a bounce in my step that I didn't have before I started my business. Mm -hmm. And it has brought me closer to my husband because, I don't know, I'm more alive, for lack of Mm -hmm. a better way to put it. Yeah, and alive is a great way to put it. When has someone being happier and feeling more satisfied and fulfilled day to day been a bad thing? But, but when you think about like what it means when somebody's like doing something meaningful and hey, look, it's not always perfect. We have our, you know, our obstacles in business, definitely, and difficult days and difficult experiences. But overall, right? I mean, I used to have this sense of like heavy, I mean, I can't even, I don't even know the best way to describe it, but like year, year, years ago by, months ago by, and I was like, gosh, externally everything looks fine, but I just, I know I'm not living my life's work. Like I'm not, I'm, I know I'm not doing my main thing, like the reason I'm here. And that would just sit on me and make me heavier. And when I, when I started doing my real work, then that feeling went away. And I just, I, there's nothing that feels better than being aligned with who you are. Like there is nothing that feels better than that. Nothing. And I also think that nothing brings you more abundance too. The final thing she asked me to ask you was, mm-hmm. it's a two-part question. 
Okay. What did you give up by leaving your corporate career to move towards your side hustle? And you did that as a little bit of a transition. You just didn't jump ship and quit one day and move to the next, which I think is an important part. But what mm-hmm. did you give up? And then what did you gain? So if we talk about your last year being the most lucrative year you had in corporate, and I saw that you have a little quiz or you had something on your website that said, how much salary are you willing to give up? Do you feel like there are some things that you had to give up, especially at the start? Uh, At the start, yes. And I I can see this is why some people, um, some people want to have permanent side hustles, like they never want to transition full time. That's totally cool. Uh, still, I'd say it makes you better. I mean, in fact, I've coached people and had people in my program who get a side hustle that they want as a, a permanent side hustle only a few hours a week, and they get a raise like very quickly into hustling, or they get a new job offer very quickly into that again because they're elevated, right? They're more in alignment. Um, but sorry, what was the question? So, what did you what did you have <laughs> to start? give up? Ah, uh, so initially, I guess I gave up a certainty of a paycheck for a few months. Um, that's it, really. I like it. That's all I gave up, the certainty (laughs) of a paycheck. And did you very quickly find that you got to a point where you were comfortable with that uncertainty around pay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I already knew it anyway, but it would like, it would work out because I also think that if we're given a dream or a desire, the mechanics for its fulfillment is also within us. Yeah. yeah. It's not like you're given a dream and a desire and the universe is like, yeah, good luck. That's going to suck for you. Yeah. I, s- I just, and I knew the right things would kind of come my way and it would work out. And it, and so just kind of with that, look, it's scary in the beginning, right? Cause you're used to getting paid every two weeks and you don't have your paid time off and whatever, like depending on your career, you might have commissions and so forth. But I, I'd, I'd always just think, okay, well, something better, something better, something better. And when you have that kind of unwavering, just belief, that that's true, then that is what will that is what will be true for you. I like that. So you kind of gave up comfort as well. You gave up the comfort. And yeah, the but not for very long. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not for very long. So, so it's like you might you might think it's a big deal, but I mean, I don't think. Again, if I wanted to now, if I wanted to get another job, right? Oh gosh, even the thought, right? If I, if I was like, gosh, in January, I actually want to get back to a full time job and get my four weeks off and do my thing, then I would do that. So I want to hear then, what did you gain? Oh, my God. Can you put, can you put some bullet points around that? Because I feel like we've been talking a lot about what you've gained in the whole podcast interview. But if we yeah. try to summarize some of the major gains, what have they been? Okay, so these are different for everyone. Um, but I'll tell you what my favorite things are. The first is uh, uh, control of my schedule. I also love that about working for myself. Oh my, I go to yoga at two o'clock on a Tuesday and there's no one there. I mean, it's my favorite thing. I know? can have long lunch breaks whenever I schedule them in. Yeah, you can, you can have a nap, right? You can do whatever you want. So freedom of my schedule, number one. Secondly, you know, as I just mentioned, um, my husband and I are going away for a month in February to Asia. So that's also very nice. I guess that ties into number one. Also, I only do projects and work with clients who I want to work with. When you work in a job, you're given an account and you have to represent that account, you know, whatever it is. Or you have to work with you know, that, that person or that boss. I only work with people I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And I only kind of do projects that are meaningful to me. Also, everything is uncapped. There's no glass ceiling when you work for yourself. There's no sexism that you deal with in the same way you can in a corporate environment sometimes. I know that I'm completely in charge of my income. I know that I've 
I mean, in any job too, you can be laid off at any second, right? Mm. Anything can change. You can say, actually, no, you're in this department now, or this is happening, or that's happening, or company's been purchased. That doesn't happen to me anymore. Like, it's really up to me what happens to me in my business. And when it comes to the difference between having a job and having a business, I think one of the best things about it is in a job, one person can ruin your life and that person's your boss, right? One person's mood, one person's decision can completely change your life. And no one has the power to do that to me now. I mean, I've got lots of different revenue streams. If one thing doesn't work out so well, it doesn't really matter. I'm not reliant on one person or one thing. And that's tremendously freeing. And I feel creatively just alive because like you said, the word alive, because I write what I want. I kind of explore what I want. I go to events that make sense to me. And it's just, I feel as if like the, the limits are non-existent when it comes to running a business on your own. Mm. Yeah. I buy into it all. I totally yeah. do. <laughs> I ask all of my interviewees a bunch of fun little questions that just help us to get to know you on a bit more of a personal level. So it's your turn, Susie. Here they go. Okay. Okay. I like it, Kate. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Oh, so do you get do you just get up and you're like straight into it? I can I can see yeah. that about you. I feel like you've got that kind of bouncy energy. <laughs> yes, I am, but I also go to bed early, so that's why. <laughs> what time are you in bed at night? Like latest ten. I need to set my bedtime <laughs> for ten PM. I've been meaning to do it. It's awesome. It's like you wake up and then like the, the day is yours. I love it. What's currently sitting on your nightstand? Right now, I'm reading the I'm rereading the Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer, and last night I started rereading The Alchemist too. Oh, I was mm-hmm. thinking about Wayne Dyer last night in my meditation. Now I can't even remember why. Fascinating. Ah, <laughs> I have to think about. Maybe I was maybe I was preempting our interview. Maybe yes, and also Wayne Dyer was the original side hustler. I tell you, and he took the big risk of leaving his you know very safe job and went out on his own being author. So right, can we go into that for a second? He was a psychologist, yeah. wasn't he, and a professor. He was a university professor, yes, and he started side hustling by doing uh, live workshops, helping people work through their problems, and then he left. He had tenure at university, and he just one day, walking to the dean's office, kind of didn't tell anyone, and he said, I'm leaving, and then he went out, and he sold his book, Radio Station by Radio Station, one at a time, starting really local, and then he had the best-selling book in America for two years. Boom, right there. Perfect example. Power of intention, Yes. (gasps) What is your favorite self-care activity? Uh, I love sipping champagne and I love bubble baths. <laughs> We're kindred spirits. You know, champagne is my, um, I think that's probably why I grew to love you because it was probably an Instagram pic of you with champagne. I was like, she's my girl. I, I talk a lot about like savoring our wins and how important it is to celebrate our successes. And my husband and I have a celebration ritual, which is based on a bottle of Verve Clicquot. Oh, I love it. Yes, we are kindred spirits. <laughs> That's how I celebrate. Oh, yeah. So your favorite book, do you have a book that you've read that you were like, yeah, that book <gasps> means something to me? Oh, my gosh, there are so many. But when the one that first came to mind when you just asked that right now is I love the seven spiritual rules of success. Oh, by Deepak, by Deepak Chopra. Chopra. I have that yeah. on my, uh, in my bookshelf. And I recommend rereading it. Too, because it's you a get little, little book, too. It's not a big one, right? Yeah, and if you reread that like constantly, or if you if you're curious about side hustling or whatever, it's a really great book to read. I love especially how it talks about the law of least effort in that book. That being one of the laws, meaning that when you want something and you put the intention out there, it will come to you. Like so, you the, you, you are constantly being supported. Have you got a long road that you took in life? Basically, a life lesson that took you a while to learn, and if so, what was it? 
I think so. I think I think there are a few. <laughs> um, but the, the lesson I think that I'm still learning but getting better at is I don't have anything to prove. Oh, that's so mm. interesting. Do you think it's been part of your drive, like your drive towards action though? Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I think I've, I've taken great joy out of doing things that, you know, uh, maybe people thought that I couldn't or, you know, I'd love to rub something in someone's face, you know, <laughs> like being t- t- totally candid with you. But increasingly, I feel less of a need to do that and just more of a, a piece with even just whatever, you know, works out for me, just enjoying that on my own. What is one thing in your day that you can't do without? Um, chocolate. <laughs> I love it. Chocolate and champagne. Like, can we yeah. all just be Susie? <laughs> you have to have sweets in your life. In the UK, we have sweets all the time. And I still I still can't get a sleep without dessert. Oh, it's funny because <laughs> I often get a sweet craving after I eat too. And I'm like looking around going, what's something sweet I can put in my mouth? I quite like, I quite like dates though in the fridge as well when I can't have chocolate every day. Mm, so my kids good. know if I have chocolate in the house is a problem. Mm, yeah, I know. I guess you've got to be careful. <laughs> right. All right. How would you describe the soul? To me, I think that the soul is just like the core of who you really are. It's the only thing that's timeless and shapeless and constantly and that never, like never dies. Beautiful. I know these are, they're not all like super simple light questions, by the way. And <laughs> what is fulfillment to you? What does that word mean? Fulfillment is, I think I kind of like Maya Angelou's expression. I think it was fulfillment or what she said about happiness. Like happiness is liking who you are and how, like who, what you do, how you do it and just who you are. So I think that, yeah, like just being in alignment oh. with yourself. Being in alignment with yourself. Yeah, that Maya Angelou quote, I know the one you mean. It's a goodie. Might need to track it back down again. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a couple more questions for you as we start to move towards the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. You mentioned vision boards in your book, What If It Does Work Out. Yes. How do you get these to work for you? Can we talk through the power of a vision board and some basic ideas on how people can get started with creating their own? Yeah, so vision boards are fantastic. Do you have one? No, I don't. I think I need to get onto this. So I'm, I may be asking this question for a friend who might happen to be me. Just <laughs> yes. No, um, vision boards I, I find really, really helpful, especially if you update them regularly. In fact, I have mine on my dresses. I see it every morning when I wake up, and it's basically just a collage of images, quotes. I also post some goals on there that I'm just constantly being reminded of how I want to feel, and. Sometimes these, because you know, the, the way that the mind thinks, we don't think in words, we think in images. So when we constantly just put before us images that, uh, that trigger feelings or that trigger kind of emotions that lead us to the right type of actions, it's tremendously helpful. And why wouldn't you do that? Like, why wouldn't you make it easier for yourself to stay on track? So, but, I mean, a vision board, put very simply, is just a collection. No, like, wrong way of doing it. You can have a theme. You don't have to have a theme. You can have a really busy board. You can have a board with a lot of white space. But just putting images on a board that inspire you, that move you, and that are just, just personal. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. And then just putting it in a place where you see it regularly. That's all. So would you say that a vision board is the type of images that you want to move towards? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that. Um, you know what? 
there again there are the, truly no rules around it but for example just say you wanted to i don't know hit a revenue goal in your business and you knew that if you hit a revenue goal you'd go to greece right then maybe you want to have a gorgeous picture of greece right right which can inspire you to like you know think oh gosh i could be going to greece you know next summer um or just say you wanted to uh write a book right i was just thinking that that needs to go on my vision board clearly yeah yeah you might put a picture of a you know a book or a picture of a gorgeous desk or a picture of the new york times bestseller list like whatever it is like whatever kind of speaks to you and again it's deeply deeply personal um whatever speaks to you uh that allows you to constantly feel reminded of what's possible for you and to remind you to keep going what I think is beautiful about the way you're describing a vision board is I feel like it really is a pictorial way to bring your dreams, goals, and desires to life. Yes, exactly. And why wouldn't you give yourself that, that gorgeous advantage like of being around things that speak to you, that move you, and allow yourself to constantly be reminded? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do one. You've, you've convinced me <laughs> that asking for a friend, you got me. <laughs> that you won't regret it. Final question, Susie, the -hmm. big decisions in life. And I feel like we've tapped a little bit on this already, but like that willingness to be decisive, how do we make those big decisions? How do you encourage your clients to find that commitment and willingness to decide? When it comes to decision making, I think it just comes back to trusting yourself when we struggle with decisions, it's often because we just don't trust ourselves, right? We don't kind of, we don't have the confidence in ourselves that we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, you know? So the most important thing you can do is just connect with your intuition as regularly as you can, like use it. No one can make a decision for your life, but you, no one can make the right decision for your life apart from you. In fact, no one can like, think about it in just a regular day-to-day sense. No one knows what the right thing for you to eat is. No one knows what the right thing for you to wear is. So you'll be comfortable. No one knows how many hours you need to sleep. Nobody knows you know, where you should go on vacation. You know, you know, all of these things about yourself and the same thing goes for your big decisions. And so when you just regularly connect, like spend some time to, like, to meditate, like really th- consider your feelings, consider your emotions, trust, you know, your instinctive response to something, then you'll always be on the right path. And when you trust yourself, connect, like connect into yourself, check in with yourself regularly, then that's tremendously comforting because you never see yourself wrong. Wow. I feel like there was so much goodness in that podcast. It's possibly one that you might need to go back to and re-listen. Now to find out more about Susie, head to her website. That is Susie, S-U-S-I-E hyphen more, M-O-O-R-E.com. You can also find her book, What If It Does Work Out?, available on Amazon or I have linked to it in the show notes. Now a quick note, I wanted to mention that the reconnect and reboot workshops that I am going to be delivering live for a small group of people in January are now ready for registration. If you're the type of person that is craving to reconnect with yourself, to get to know yourself better and to start putting some solid intentions around what you want 2018 to look like, then these workshops are for you. 
So much of what I'm going to be covering is what I cover with my one-on-one coaching clients, but these live workshops are much more affordable, obviously, than one-on-one coaching. To learn more about that, head to my website, www.thrive.how forward slash reboot, R-E-B-O-O-T. You can also find those links in the show notes. Till next week, keep thriving.